This is Richie Nails from the Nailheads, and you're listening to 25,000 Miles. Having so many fools, I'm becoming a such. Don't count for much Cross my heart and I hope to die I'd sooner trust a lie than one who say they don't lie I need some peace Now and again I've been carrying around the guilt Though a thousand men The crafty holly don't take a break She works night and day If I sign my life away Thanks for uh, being on the show. Hey, how are things with uh, with COVID where you are right now? Uh, it's going down. It's going down. Yeah, it's, yeah, getting, it's, better. Uh, it's getting better. People have been better. 
Uh, yeah. How? What about over there? Yeah, good, good. Everyone's for the most part. I uh, I was listening to the news, and I guess seventy percent of the population here uh, has gotten their first shot, at least. So things are getting getting there. What do, What do you normally talk about? We don't get into politics, or um... okay, we're we're gonna get into politics. <laughs> We're going to get into religion. We're going to make grandmas, like, really. We're not going to get into the vaccine either. People are so touchy about that subject, the vaccine and all Yeah, that. yeah. It's getting like there's no there's no more, um, I don't know, like there's no middle ground anymore. You're not allowed to be like, you're not even allowed to like question things. You have to either take a side or. Yeah, yeah. Like, and if you take no side, you're part of the problem. But sometimes you kind of have to be there before you decide. You have to, you have to be at that place naturally. So you're getting a lot of people that are just following out of the fear of other people's thinking about them, how they think about them. Lately, like I find everybody so t- like touchy about every topic. Hey, let's get into all of this. <laughs> really? No, I don't know, man. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, but thank you for being on the show. Ah, it's my pleasure. So you have a new album coming out, um, and that's coming out in July. And uh, you've put out a single that came out uh, June 1st that's going to be on the album uh, called Kill or Be Killed. Right. Uh, so can you tell us about the new single and the new album and what inspired this one? The new single, the new album, has been a long time in coming. Like we, This album's like a lot older than it, than it looks because it's coming out now. But uh, I started writing these songs quite a few years ago and... The inspiration was I, I've always wanted to bring the band to a point where um, I was putting all my influences in the music. So that's why you hear every kind of, in, you, you hear a blend of like the stuff I listen to. So it, it, it's a punk band, but you're hearing like a little rock and roll. You're hearing uh, some country in there. You're hearing um, gospel. You're hearing even reggae at one point. So it's really a mix and soul music. It's all like my favorite stuff that I want to hear on a record. And I hope you don't take any offense to this, but I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, it's kind of like, uh, sounds a little bit like Social Distortion. Yeah, no no offense taken. Um, social Distortion are one of those bands that, that mixes it up, like kind of like The Clash or The Replacements. There's a lot of punk bands that they don't necessarily fit 100% the punk sound, and I find Social D is one of those bands that always... Um, that went to their their uh, rock, uh, rockabilly roots, like early cash and stuff like that. I get you kind of answered my next question because you said uh, a lot of these songs have been in the making for a few years now. But um, so I guess none of these songs are really COVID made. No, but listening back to the record, I'm actually surprised because um, they kind of have. I mean, I guess maybe just because they deal with. Uh, I guess COVID kind of just amplified problems we already have. <laughs> so um, these songs discuss those real life situations. So in that regard, you could listen to it and almost think they were written during that time. Like just the title track, Live to See Tomorrow. Yeah. That's why I was kind of thinking, I was like, oh man, they totally wrote this during the pandemic. It comes off that way and I'm happy. I wouldn't have changed that. <laughs> it's a yeah, happy it's coincidence. Like, exactly. Exactly. Those happen sometimes, especially in music. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to ask bands this, uh, and I'm I'm getting 50-50 here, but how do you guys feel about live streaming, like a live show? I would have no problem with it. You have to have good cameras, you have to have good sound. 
it's not every independent band that's going to be able to afford that like uh, regularly unless they already have access to those things but i'm i'm all for it i think it's cool especially if you play a show not too many people are there but then more people see it after the fact yeah yeah for sure so it helps you it helps you in a lot of ways yeah yeah, like some bands have been like, oh yeah, like I swear by it. Like it's it's a, a complete positive that's come from all of this. And some bands are like, oh no, that's not for me at all. It's bad enough that we're playing for two people live. I don't want to see two people watching us on the internet. <laughs> oh yeah, if you look at it that way, I, I can understand that. Like almost like people would get too used to just sitting back in the comfort of their own home and watching yeah, yeah. shows. Yeah. I guess that could happen. I could see that becoming a problem because people have gotten already a bit lazy about supporting independent music, which happened a long time ago. And so I could see them getting more accustomed to like not caring as much. A lot of the young people growing up now, they didn't grow up like, you're probably around the same age as me. Uh, 35. Okay, so we're close in age. And and you, when we grew up, there was a lot of, um, a lot of like, you su- when you supported an independent band, you like, they were your band. Yeah. You know, you could add you could add more than one. You could add ten, but I mean, you went to their shows. You were so faithful, and um, you wanted to see them grow. And you wanted to like like back then, uh, you didn't have stuff like social media platforms where you'd post things. But if you did back then, the the heart of, you would have been like that, just because that was the heart of um, of fans. And I'm not dissing people now. I just feel like no matter you know when things change, people just adapt to that change. It's not really anybody's fault. But I feel like I'm seeing this new generation coming up and there's not as much support. It's kind of like a lot of the independent bands, you, you got like uh, little pockets of, of uh, people that encourage you, but then you got people that are just like clicking like. Yeah, you know what? I, I 100% understand that because it's like, it's like when, when we were growing up, when you found a band that you really, really loved and it was kind of like an underground punk band, you had to go searching for it. You had to go to the yeah. record store. You had to find it. And then it was like yours back then. You were right, like, yes, right. this band gets me and I get them. And then if you yeah, saw yeah. anybody who were, was into that band, it was either like they kind of looked like you. But if I don't know, like if, if anyone else was into it, it was, it was like you're that's where the I think the term sellout came in. Because it's like, oh, all these popular kids like you, and this was our thing. <laughs> you're, to- you're totally right, though. There was romance in the search, you know? Yeah, and now like, it's, just like, like, it's less that now. It's just because right. everything's at your fingertips. You don't have to search for anything. It's Yeah, it's so easy. I mean, the equivalent, the equivalent of how people react now by clicking like would be like walking to a show back then and just saying, I like this, and then walking out. <laughs> Where, you know, yeah, exactly. But you were so involved. There was such involvement. And that's probably why people, people got offended when all the popular kids started listening to it. Because it's like, hey, I was there during their rough time. You're just listening to it because you, you're like a Fairweather fan that came along when it was cool to like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's why to this day, I blind buy all of my records. If I go to a record store, I haven't heard the band, I buy it anyway. Oh, yeah. And I and then I bring it home. So I have some right. records, not my favorite, but um, right. I just like the the surprise of it. Right, right. And so yeah. I, if I don't like it, it it makes me like because if you back in the '90s, if you bought a, a like a CD or something and you didn't like it, you just spent money on it. You have to you have to like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So you were less picky in a sense. Yeah. That's true. That's true. And I find that actually builds your 
it builds your um, your ears to music actually because by by forcing yourself to listen to a record over and over, you will find something you like about it. As opposed to now, people are treat treat music a little bit like um, Tinder or one of those things where they just like ah right away it doesn't catch my ear right away. You know, yeah. it's just like be a little patient. <laughs> listen to what they got. Right. Right? And, like, not one song. You gotta listen to the side A, side B. <laughs> exactly. But we sound like old men now, but... Oh, I know, yeah. We're uh, dating ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just that, I guess, the younger generation probably doesn't see it that way because they didn't experience what we experienced. That's all it is, and we got to adapt to how things are changing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's no, no diss on the newer generation. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Just different. Just saying, if you could blend the two worlds, it would be perfect. Maybe a little bit more appreciation on their end, and then a little more leniency on our end. song you're no stranger to music videos man i'm doing some quick math and i see about nine yeah i think we have over nine i think we have either 10 or 11 i lost count oh yeah well there you go see my math's off that's why i did quick math um so i'd like to ask people this is there when you're doing a music video like obviously there's a little bit of lip syncing involved maybe guitars aren't plugged in and the camera's right in your face. Is there is there awkwardness there when you're doing a music video, or is it not that big of a deal? We're kind of getting used to all the different types of situations because it's always different. Some are actually more live than others, even though none of them are live. Some of them we're really we're really playing along to it. Depending on the speakers, we're listening the song. Uh, 
and the speakers we're listening to the song on, if it's, if it's really loud, it's going to look more real. But some videos, like you might be listening to the song in headphones and it's going to end up looking a lot faker than because you're not you're not belting it out. Your mouth's only moving a little bit. You're not moving as with as much passion as you would. But you got it. So you really got to try to perfect the art of, um, I guess, over time, the more of music videos you do, the more you just become used to the different types of situations you're going to you're going to fall into. So um, some of them, like in Never Never Give Up, we're actually playing live. And uh, the our videographer, Ryan, he's really good. He did most of our videos. He was able to somehow sync it to, we, we pretty much played it close enough to the tempo for him to, you know, sync it. And he's done that in a few of our videos where there's live footage. Like we did not listen to the song, or did we? Maybe we, no, we didn't. I think we just practiced it to the tempo and then he filmed us live at a show it somehow worked out but it's hard to pull off i mean you could always like and i think in the old music videos like in the 80s and when you see like those bands rocking out they'd actually rent a hall or a room i mean a, a stage you know when you see like old motley crew or guns and roses videos or something yeah yeah like what well, like welcome to the jungle where they're on stage I, that's actually uh i think a private show for the video Oh, really? So you can do that, where you're like, you're probably blasting the recording through the loudspeakers so that you're... Yeah, and sometimes they have clips of live shows, and they're like doing a completely different song. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. That happens too. I guess there's a lot of awkwardness in it, just in the fact that it's it's not real. So you try to make it as real as possible. So in our our videos, we do try to rock out. We do try to like... Yeah, yeah, I I see it. We actually... Uh, in a, in most of them, we end up tired like it was a show because we are playing. It looks like it, but I'm just, you know, I think just being, I think to me, because I, I play drums in a band, but being the front person and singing and just like, you're the front person. Like, I, it's so <laughs> frightening to me because I'm in the back. It's like, oh, I'll just, uh, it's fine. But like, I don't know, just that whole, I, I think I would... Uh, I would not be good at it. I'm just that type of person. I'd be like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I, find, I find the drums hard, though, to do in a music video because you got to be hitting all the right drums and the right fills at the right time. Yeah, is that that's probably the only thing that's actually being played. Like, like I'm sure, like, you're playing it's along the loudest. To, the, to the... Yeah, but they're probably yeah. actually hitting. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You actually usually dampen the drums. So you, like, put tape and stuff to, like, silence them. Yeah, because even in, in most of our videos, like Guinea Pig, we were really playing, but obviously the audio track is not the audio track that we were playing. And I like those videos that they do on YouTube where they'll like take a Journey video or something and they'll they'll make it, uh, they'll put sounds to it that what it would really sound like. Oh, yeah. Like the guy, the guy, the squeaking of a keyboard that's unplugged, you just hear like, you just hear the keys, like, it's hilarious. Uh, so, okay, you're putting out this new album with uh dental records but um how did you hook up with those guys so so john it uh, goes way back that like uh, we've been playing oshawa for as long as we've existed we've been playing oshawa it's always been like it's one of those cities where we just kind of started to meet the people gradually and then we we get along with them all and kind of like we're we're fans of each other's bands and friends and, it, and it's and then we go back and we actually know them pretty well Almost like as if we're in the same scene, even though it's in Ontario and we're in Quebec. And the same thing happens in certain cities, like that happened in North Bay. But anyways, back to Oshawa. So like John used to book shows for us and still does like uh, in, in Oshawa. 
I found out he was, and also we had played with Hang Time too. Warren also co-owns it with uh, with John, mm-hmm. and so we were playing playing shows with Hang Time and and playing shows booked by John, and it's kind of like he knew us. So like um, we built that acquaintance relationship over the years, and it, we became friendly friendlier over the years. And then I found out he was doing a he started a record label, and I told him a while ago like, oh yeah, we're putting out a record, so. And he's always liked the band, so he, he just wrote me and said, hey, uh, can I hear that record? That's kind of how it happened, and it was perfect timing because the record was, ju- it was just before we mastered it, so it was really close to the finished product. You guys probably have tons out there in BC, eh? Uh, Vancouver's got a lot, yeah. Okay. But I think, uh, like, the main one, uh, people like going to Rain City Records, I believe it's called. Okay. And so they do, uh, they do, they even do a lot of Calgary bands, too. Well, we love going out west. We got just um, it's a matter of uh, going going through this country. Is there's a lot of um, distances between shows. Yeah, you know what it is is Toronto <laughs> and Ontario have a lot of stuff down in that south area, but it's yeah. making the leap from that area across. Oh yeah, across into Manitoba. That's like the daunting task. Right. Oh yeah, for sure. Once you get after like Thunder Bay and stuff. Or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ontario is so Ontario is so big. Oh, totally. So big. It's I never so realized how big it was until we drove through it a few times. <laughs> You're like, and, oh. And, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people's opinion of Ontario that haven't been much is based on Toronto, which is so far from like any authenticity. You know, they'll judge Ontario by Toronto. Oh yeah. And be like, and they'll be like, oh, I hate Ontario. Why? Well, because I don't like Toronto, you know? And they'll be like, have you, there's so many cool places in Ontario. Yeah, have you, and, uh, yeah, there's and, tons. And, I, and I, I like Toronto. I have nothing nothing wrong with Toronto. We play the bovine all the time and love it. You, I just figure you should just go south into the States and then, and then up. Because you could yeah, hit like, the, you could hit like five or six venues before you come back up into Canada. That's totally the ideal. You just got to get your working visas and you can do it, yeah. So you have played some shows. You've been back and forth through this country probably what, a couple, few times, I bet. Uh, five times completely and the East Coast uh, a few times extra. Let's say you've played quite a few shows. Can you kind of off the cuff here tell us the best show you've ever played and then on in the Canada. flop of that, the worst show? Specifically in Canada. Well, it doesn't, Specific- have to be, it doesn't have to be Canada, but I, as an example of how many shows you've played, I use that. The worst show? Well, there's too many to list, because <laughs> I, remember, I remember the first tour we did in Canada, like, nobody came out. It, it, it took, like, us five years for us to build an audience in Canada. Yeah. And some, some cities, like, grew faster than others. Like, Prince George was always cool with us. It's almost like they picked up on us right away. I don't know why, but they're just a cool city like that. A lot of young people came to the show. And they stuck with us every time we went there. The same audience came back. So that was, I'd probably say they're one of the better ones, Prince George. I mean, all the places are cool to play, but it's just, I'd say that one was consistent. Because sometimes you'll play like a city and it'll be super cool. And next year you're like, oh, I can't wait to get there again. And then no one comes out the next year. Or, vi- or vice versa, you know, like where no one comes out one year and then the next year it's the greatest city you've ever been to. So you can never know, you can never predict it in the, especially when you're in an underground band. But Prince George was always really cool, and there's a guy, I gotta mention, uh, Greg the Egg, who used to work for radio over there, and he always would come out and give us, like, a bag of surprises when we'd leave, like, uh, give us a Tim Hortons card and uh, 
and um, give us like uh, t-shirts of punk bands and some CDs. Cool. And that would be the little like takeaway bag. Uh, bye, guys. It's great to have you here in Prince George, and we'd leave with a bag. Super cool guy. Yeah, man. You got to keep him coming back. Yeah. So that was that was one of the best places. There's other ones too, but off the top of my head, and uh, worst places. Like I said, there's so many, so many bad shows in the beginning. Like we, I remember when we were coming through Canada the first time, we actually had a make it or a break it moment where we got to Edmonton and we actually had a band meeting whether we should finish the tour or not because we had no money left. We had just enough money to get to the next gig, I think. And I remember I said I did not come on this first Canadian tour to go back. Like, I don't care if we if we end up, like, in the street. Like, we have to finish this tour, it, you know? Yeah. Like, we're, all, we're already out here. It would be pathetic if we went back. Yeah, so it's like, well, we, act- we don't have enough money to get back if we don't have enough money now. Exactly. So <laughs> so we, uh, we finished it, and we managed to just make enough, I think, to, like, barely get by. And that tour ended up being like the first of, of five. So, but there were so many bad shows on that tour, like empty rooms or, or just venues that don't do any promotion. They're not really, they're not really welcoming to bands, but somehow we got a gig, yeah, you know, yeah. like, Oh, we'll pay you with a cheeseburger or something. It's like, I don't think we're going to come back here. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, if you're playing on an off night, if it's not a like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the venue's like, uh, yeah. they kind of like almost toss it off and you're like, no, 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 we can make this work. Right, yeah, yeah. You become beggars at that point and you can't choose what, but yeah, yeah that that's, it's always, you're always happy to get a gig in the week, even if it's not the greatest. Like, I don't mind bad gigs as long as they're not, you know, they're not the majority of the tour. I played a show once and I was, I was playing bass. We, it was pretty much an empty room, but it was kind of that, you know, when you're watching a band, but you're the only one watching the band and you're like yeah. trying to get out of watching the band. you like, you don't want to walk <laughs> away. You're like, uh, I think we had this guy stuck in that position. No. And, uh, he, uh, I go, okay, Hey, we, we only have a couple more songs and he just goes, Oh man, puts his head down. I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah, it's about right. <laughs> Or sometimes you get the one guy, there's one guy, but he's crazy about your band. You ever see that guy who, like, watches all the bands and he's moshing by himself? Yeah, he's fist-pumping by himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's, That's it's always aw- funny. Yeah, it's awesome that the one dude's going off, but you're also kind of like, ah, this is a hard pill to swallow, the one guy. <laughs> <laughs> there was one There was one show, I just thought of it. Um, I forget the city. It was near, it was in Quebec. It's not, it was maybe a two hour drive from here. I can't remember the city, but I just remember that they wouldn't even give us water. There was no water to drink. And we said, can we just please have some water like from the counter? Well, you have to buy a bottle. Like, can we just have a glass of water? And they were like, no. And so they didn't want to give us like even gas money, nothing. They were treating us like we were like criminals or something. So that was a bad show. But then we argued with them. We argued with them and got a little bit of gas money. We're like, let us speak to the manager. Yeah, you, totally, and what's yeah. funny what's funny about touring is you start to become like I remember midway through a tour you become a bit of a monster and the more you tour you become I'm not saying you're like cruel with people you, you become more like um, thankful in in one regard you become more thankful when people like do a little nice gesture but then you become a bit more of a monster when people are jerks with you yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you're 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 no longer like accepting of it you're like ready to tear their head off sometimes but that's because you're not sleeping properly you're staying up all night you're driving 
you know? And you become a bit more like a beast in that sense. Like you said, you're like sleep deprived. You've just, you've been on the road with the same people in the same area. And then it's just like, as soon as something goes wrong, you're like, ah! You're ready to crack, yeah? Yeah. So you've put out albums, you've made music videos, you've toured a lot. So what do you think the motivation is to keep going and to keep creating as an artist? Because as you know, she's, and like you were just saying, she's a rough road out there. Yeah, you kind of answered the question in the question. You said, as what keeps you being creative as an artist? But that's like kind of, uh, the, the, the answer is the, the question backwards. An artist needs to be creative. I think artists have this like uh, built in, there, there's musicians and there's artists. And sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're not. Sometimes you get the musician who just loves playing shows they're happy just and those are I, I love musicians that just love playing gigs but then you'll get like the um you'll get the artist that just needs to create i mean they could be the same person but it's not more often than not i find they're, they they tend to be separate and uh, what i mean is like you could have a band that'll all write together but how many of those members of the band when they're when they're not with their band are writing you know, that, that, that's what defines an artist, I find, is somebody that even if nobody, if they were in a cave, they'd be drawing uh, paintings on the walls. That defines a true artist. They're not really doing it for anybody. They're, they're more or less doing it because there's a built-in need to create. So that's kind of, that, that's my story. I, I don't, um, I mean, I'm, I love playing for fans and like for people or even for enemies. I, I've done that and I don't mind. I, but I, I, there's just like also... You want people to hear your music, just like if you're a painter, you want people to see your paintings. I never understood the the whole um, "you're so underground" that like if you sell two records, people start calling you a poser. I could never understand that mentality because you want people to hear your music, and if they hate you, all the more reason for them to hear. Maybe your message could teach them something, or maybe you know that's how I see it. And the motivation to keep going, like on the road, I, I fell in love with touring. I fell in love with being on the road. Some people like it, some people hate it. Two of the guys in the band that um, that are like key members, they uh, they couldn't do it anymore for different reasons. Like one of them, he he has a job where he can't really leave. I think he still likes being on the road, but it's just not only does he have a family, but he, I think he has a job that he can't take breaks. And so the other guy in the band, he he just like needed a break from being on the road, and he didn't know if it was going to be forever or how long it was going to be. And I've seen people have panic attacks. I've seen people. We had one tour where the, I'm not even. This is no word of a lie. The drummer canceled. He was all gun ho about the band, gun ho about the tour, and right before we got to this the show to to pack to, to set up the stage, he takes me aside and says, um, "I can't do the tour." He just had this breakdown where, and I and I tried talking to him, and he was he was on the verge of like. Uh, he was shaking. He was like, no, I can't do it. It was like this fear factor kicked in and there was no way of getting this guy, no way of encouraging him, no way of uh, convincing him or begging him. It was, he would not do it, Crazy. but he had never, but he had never toured before. That's the problem. If you're going to get guys that want to go on the road, you got, they have to be road trained. They got to be road. Uh, you know, they have to have done it before. And you either have it or you don't, you have, you have to kind of have the itch. Yeah, yeah. Do you have that itch, like to go on the road? Uh, I have, I have before, yeah. And um, <laughs> I, I find the worst times usually end up to be the best stories later on. That's true too. Like I have a friend who playing this show, and they thought that he was stealing silverware out of the kitchen, and he's like, "I'm uh -huh. not, 
taking like forks and knives and stuff. It's, <laughs> it's fine. I'm just like he was just like tuning his bass up. That's all he was doing. And they're like, "You're stealing! You're stealing your cutlery!" And he's on stage playing. He's in the middle of a song, and this hand comes out into his pocket. <laughs> no. And they're trying to like they're like searching his pockets. He's like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> so at, at, in the moment it was like this is ridiculous we have to get out of here this is stupid but like looking back on it god that was hilarious <laughs> i i don't know what's funnier the fact that they thought he, he was stealing cutlery or the fact that they singled him as the cutlery <laughs> thief <laughs> oh we've been accused of weird things on the road too man uh when we stayed at people's houses sometimes we were always try to be like such like we always we appreciate that so much we don't take it lightly like we like when people let us stay over we try to make the bed or make or whatever let us sleep on the floor like and and we were so grateful for it but sometimes you get people that somehow they come up with a story that you did something bad that you didn't do like you're saying and some guy at one time said we pissed on his couch which was a, a total made-up lie i don't know if somebody I don't know if somebody told him we did or if he just dreamt it up or I think the the worst thing that might have happened is maybe I think a bit of beer, not not even like a full can or anything. Maybe somebody dropped like a drop of beer on his couch and it, it turned into this thing where we pissed on his couch. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I guess no publicity is bad publicity. There you if, go. <laughs> if, if it gets uh, if word gets around Canada that we're a bunch of Gigi Allens and on traveling show. Yeah. X lax and whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> all night is there places where you want people to go to check you guys out yeah well we got i've been more dedicated to like uh platforms social media all that so all the digital platforms for music spotify and uh itunes and title and all those things we're on there now our singles on there and our music's gonna be on the albums coming out like you said friday second of july uh it'll all be the new record will be on there um, the singles on our band camp, the music video on YouTube. If, if you've watched it, if you listen to the song, share it with people, tell people about it. That's always like we were saying, um, back in the old school days, you, you'd, you'd promote your band, you'd promote your favorite band. So people can do that. It's always highly appreciated. Facebook. I'm on Facebook a lot. Uh, Instagram. I've been on there more often now. Twitter is the one that I'm having trouble with. Uh, yeah, it's, I the, don't... it's the one, man. It's the one we all. Yeah, for with. bands, it doesn't make much sense for bands, but I'm gonna try to update that one. But I've been slacking off on that, and every but everything else we're on too. We got a show coming up, uh, Strummer Fest. It's gonna be aired, I think, August 21st on YouTube and Facebook, and it's this festival we normally play in Waterloo, but for the first time they're gonna be just uh, airing it on the internet. So. Awesome. That, that'll that be cool. I'll be promoting that on our Facebook page. 